Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee served the Lord for more than seven decades, and these life studies represent his contribution to the ever-expanding understanding of the revelation of the Bible. The purpose of these life studies is to present the truths contained in the Scriptures and to minister the genuine life supply, to solve the common and hard problems found in the Bible and to open up every book of the Bible through interpretation. We're very happy to bring you selected portions from his speaking today. If you'd like to learn more about the Life Studies, please visit our website at lifestudy.com. Simply lifestudy.com. Now, here's today's program. Three important books in the New Testament are 1 Corinthians, Galatians, and Colossians. It's interesting to note that all three of these letters written by the Apostle Paul were sent to the churches largely because the believers in these places had allowed things other than Christ to replace him in their experience. With the Corinthians, it was gifts and knowledge. With the Galatians, religion had replaced Christ. And with the Colossians, it was their top culture. All good things, yet all had replaced Christ. How about us? Have we allowed things other than Christ himself to become our focus? Well, Bob Danker is here again today as we look into the life study of Colossians once more. Bob, welcome back to the program. It's good to be back, Chris. This matter of Christ being our focus, being our center and our everything is a very important matter that's revealed in the Scriptures. And we really shouldn't allow anything to be a replacement for Christ. Bob, there's so many... um passages in this short book of Colossians that elevate Christ to the unique status in the universe. I've picked just a couple here, I think, as a, a sort of a background for our message today. In chapter 1, verse 15, 16, and 17, Christ, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, because in him all things were created in the heavens and on the earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or lordships or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and unto him, and he is before all things, and all things co-inhere in him. This is some Christ we have, isn't it, Bob? This is a universally extensive Christ (laughs) that we have. One of the reasons that I think we hang on to our culture, uh, which we've seen a lot, Colossians has a lot to do with culture, we'll see that again today, is that we just don't seem to appreciate Christ is extensive enough that he could fill up all of these things that culture provides us. And uh, this is kind of a mind-renewing process that's going on, I think, in this book, Bob. That's right, Chris. Our realization concerning how all-inclusive and how extensive Christ is and how he is the center and the even the circumference in God's economy. He's everything in God's economy. God has ordained that Christ would be everything. He would be all in all. And uh, if we don't realize this, then it would be easy for us to allow many, many things to replace Christ in our daily life, in our experience as a Christian. In our experience as a Christian, that is a key to what we want to get into today. We're not seeing an extensive Christ just in doctrine. We're really seeing the Christ who wants to be all in all to us. Here's Witness Lee. In Colossians, what Paul intended to give 
was not just a revelation of Christ. In this book, the experience of Christ, I would say, is even more revealed. It is not just a book of revelation concerning doctrines. It is also a book full of experiences. I'd like to uh, begin in this way, to show you that throughout the 20th centuries, Christ has been replaced in every way. The church is not the circumference of the universe. The church is the focus, the center of the universe. So the church is all-inclusive, but the church is not that extensive. But Christ is not only the firstborn of the church in resurrection, but also the firstborn of God's original creation. That is the whole universe. So here you could see the revelation concerning Christ in this book is not only all-inclusive. The word all is emphatically used concerning Christ. Christ is all-inclusive. He's all and in all. But it is hard to see that in this book, the revelation of Christ, he is also extensive because he is the firstborn of the original creation of the whole universe. The revelation concerning such an all-inclusive and extensive Christ has been more than adequate. This book of Colossians is to complete the Word of God, to complete the divine revelation in the whole Scripture. And this completion is just the mystery of God's economy. That is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We all have to see Christ in you, the hope of glory, is the completion of God's divine revelation. Well, Bob, this book has been filled with revelation after revelation of Christ. As we were promised in the very first Life Study message, this book has really offered us the highest revelation of Christ in the entire Bible. But of all the revelations, I think what we treasure the most are those things that bring us into a more subjective experience of Christ. And that's all really summed up in this last word he spoke from Colossians 127, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's marvelous. Yes, it is. And this uh, word that Paul wrote in Colossians 127 concerning Christ in us is a very experiential word, and it shows that God intends that we would experience this Christ, this all-inclusive and all-extensive Christ in a subjective way. Paul said that God had given him a stewardship to complete God's Word, that is, to complete the divine revelation in the Holy Word. And Paul said this completed Word is a mystery that had been hidden from all the generations and all the ages of the past. But now God has decided through Paul to make this revelation known to all his 
children. And what is this revelation? It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So what does this mean? This means that it's not just a matter of knowing Christ in an objective way as so many things, and he is so many things. But the main thing is that this Christ is in us to be our hope of glory. That means day by day, we need to experience this Christ and enjoy this Christ and take this extensive Christ as our everything, allowing nothing to replace him. We think of Christ often in very objective terms in relation to this matter of being glorified, for instance, which Paul mentions here. We think, well, when Christ comes down from the heavens, then we will be glorified. So it's really an objective Christ who is our hope. Through his second coming, this is our hope. But actually what Paul says here, it's not an objective Christ who is our hope of glory. It's Christ in you who is your hope of glory. That means that the very glory that we are going to be brought into or that we are being brought into is just Christ himself within us. The glory is already within us. We just need to enjoy this Christ day by day so that he, as the subjective glory, will saturate our entire being and become the glory within us, the glory that eventually will shine out from us at the time of his second coming. But our real hope is not only the objective Christ, the one who's coming from the heavens, but our hope is the subjective Christ, the one who is living in us right now. Bob, Paul makes clear in this book that this is the Christ that is really the portion for all of the saints, all of the believers. In uh, chapter 1, I believe, he calls this Christ our allotted portion. Yet, I think the circumstance, the condition today that exists among ourselves included, so many of God's people, the vast majority is that thing after thing, item after item, have come in to replace this Christ, at least in terms of what is our subjective focus. Uh, We mentioned it in the introduction today, how 1 Corinthians, Galatians, and Colossians really all had this common problem. It's just that the items that had uh, replaced Christ were a little different from place to place. We're going to see that in this coming section. Here's Witness Lee once again. In the New Testament, there are three books that give us a strong picture with the strongest replacements of Christ. And all these replacements are good things. In 1 Corinthians, in Galatians, and in Colossians. We all know 1 Corinthians is a book dealing with, mainly speaking, gifts and knowledge. Paul, in the first chapter of 1 Corinthians, says, you are behind in no gift. And you have all the knowledge. Now how about them? How about them? They were carnal. In a good sense, their knowledge didn't help them. And their gifts didn't build them up. So Paul told them that when he first came to them, he determined not to know anything but Christ, and Christ crucified. Then, in Galatians. In Galatians, you have something also so good. Firstly, Judaism and law, the Ten Commandments with all the ordinances, plus circumcision, 
And the circumcision was ordained by God even before Moses. And all the traditions. Paul told us he was at the top. And he was on the top of all his equals. But one day, while he was on the top, running toward Damascus on the way, the Lord met him. There, God revealed the living Christ into him. Paul gave us a very clear record how the Jews, the children people of God, replaced Christ with their religion, the Mosaic law, and the circumcision ordained with Abraham, and all the traditions of their fathers. Now we come to Colossians. In Colossians, law and uh, circumcision, all ceremonies, rituals, all are included here. Plus the Greek philosophy. And uh, I tell you, you put the Jewish religion together with the Greek philosophy, you have a full culture. That is a culture. I tell you, Today, if we are not careful, if we are not on alert, all the day, these things will come in. Either knowledge, our gifts, or some kind of a human-made law, human-made ordinance, or some kind of philosophy, you know, some kind of ism, some kind of practice of your daily life, even I tell you, some kind of self-made and self-imposed culture will replace Christ in your daily life. This is why I say Christ has been replaced in every way. Bob, this is a, uh, a strong warning, even to us, not just a critique of the negative things that had affected the believers in the first century in these places. Things like gifts and knowledge and religion and culture are still very much a part of the scene today. And any fair examination, I think, of the situation among believers has to confirm that many dear saints have allowed Christ to be replaced by similar things. How can we be kept, Bob, from falling into this same trap? Well, Chris, this is not a simple matter. As we saw in this portion spoken by Brother Lee, there are many, many good things in the world, including religion, the law, philosophy, human culture, and now we even have our own self-made laws and regulations and self-made culture. All these things are not considered to be evil things, but they're considered to be good things, and they're appreciated by us. Otherwise, we would never allow them to be so prominent in our living, and we would never accept them as a replacement of Christ. But I think uh, in order for us to be rescued from these things, we need to see a revelation of Christ. Paul was a top person in the Jewish religion, and he was on his way to Damascus to persecute the believers, thinking that he was doing the will of God. And then Christ met him on that road, and Paul in Galatians said that it pleased God to reveal his son into Paul. So Paul received a revelation of the person of Christ. And from that time forward, he was always under the enlightening from God to see the all-inclusiveness and all-extensiveness of Christ. So that gradually, Paul was rescued 
from all the replacements of Christ. And we could say that in Paul there was no room for any of these things that could replace Christ because he had seen such a revelation of Christ and he had begun to enjoy Christ and experience Christ as his life, as his person, as his all in all. And he came to understand that God's desire is that we would simply enjoy Christ, experience Christ, and live Christ. This is God's economy, so that we could be transformed into the image of Christ so that we could be God's expression. God wants to express himself in and through all the believers. He doesn't want to express religion, the law, or culture. He wants us to be filled with Christ so that we become a living expression of God in Christ. And in order to be rescued from all these replacements, we need to have this kind of revelation and realization. Then we need to have, as Brother Lee said, we need to be on the alert. That means we have to be vigilant because it's so easy to fall back into the things that replace Christ. So we need to always be exercised to contact the Lord, to be one with him in our spirit at all times. Bob, you uh, just quoted a passage I was going to uh, pick up for an introduction to this final section today, and that is to live Christ. This is Paul in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, says, For to me, to live is Christ. There's no other way, as we're going to see, to be free, to be rid of the influence of all these other things if we're not living this very living and real and present person, moment by moment, day by day. That's really the message of this book and all of these uh, crucial books in uh, the heart of the divine revelation that Paul offered. Okay, let's go to Witness Lee for this final portion. Christ has been revealed so adequately, definitely, emphatically, in full. Yet, through the 20 centuries, most, nearly all the Christians have Christ replaced with something else. Something else. Here, we all have to see, oh, I feel so pitiful for our Christ. Don't you feel so? Christ is exalted. Christ is enthroned. Christ is crowned. Christ is revealed absolutely clear in the Bible. But who lives here? Who lives him? You tell me. Who lives him? Do we live him? Do you all live him? Dear saints, let us humble ourselves before the Lord and receive grace. We need the grace to live Christ. To live him. To uh, just live him when we will live him continually and adequately, all replacement will be gone. In the New Testament, to the unbelievers, there's only one commandment. Repent and believe in the Lord Jesus. Everyone who will perish, not because he did a lot of sin, just because he didn't believe in the Lord. Now to us, the believers, also one commandment, that is to live Christ. But today, all the unbelievers are trying to do something else not to believe in Christ. In the same principle, we believers are now doing a lot of good things, but not live Christ. 
The unique thing with unbelievers is not to believe in Christ. And the unique thing with us, the believers, is not to leave Christ. We all have to confess. We all have to condemn this man. You know the term Christian? What does it mean? Christian means a Christ man. God doesn't want a nice man, a faithful man, an honorable man, or an honest man. God doesn't want any kind of a man of virtue. God wants Christ man. A man of Christ. A man who lives Christ. This is what God wants. Surely today we need the admonishing of this book of Colossians. We need to see we shouldn't have any replacement. Bob, that was a fascinating insight. There's only two great commandments, one to the believers and one to the unbelievers. For the unbelievers, of course, it's believe into Christ and repent to receive forgiveness of sins and salvation. For us, Bob, let's talk about our unique commandment. That's right, Chris. For us, the unique commandment from God is just to live Christ. God does not command us to do good things, to be kind, to be gentle, to be loving, to be truthful and honest, and all these virtues that we admire so much and we strive to attain. All these virtues could become replacements for Christ. What God wants us to do is not to be a good man, but a Christ man, a man who is filled with Christ, who is one with Christ, and who simply lives Christ. So, It's possible for me, as a believer, to do many good things and yet still sin against God because I'm violating this unique commandment that God has given to all of us that it should be no longer we who live, but it should be Christ who lives in us. And it should be that we simply live out Christ, the one who dwells in us, the one who is our life. He should be our holiness. He should be our righteousness. He should be our love, our humility, and all our virtues. If we substitute ourself for Christ, that is a sin in the eyes of God. This may be a surprise to many of our listeners, but this is really according to God's economy. God, in his economy, just wants one person, and that is Christ. Bob, you said this may be a surprise. This is a revelation that needs to uh, impact every single believer, every child of God, isn't it? This is crucial. We received our salvation this way by accepting what Christ had done. And it says, as we received him, so walk in him. We need to continue this way by allowing him to really be the reality of all these virtues in us. That's right. We received Christ by condemning ourselves as sinners and repenting and believing in Christ and not in ourselves. So how should we continue to live our Christian life? We should live our Christian life in exactly the same way, by putting ourselves aside, realizing that we are good for nothing but to be crucified, to be terminated, and to live and walk according to the Spirit so that we can live Christ and not ourselves. Boy, Bob, what a Christ we've seen in Colossians. Isn't it a pleasure and an honor to come and fellowship around and in this one day by day? Absolutely a pleasure. I surely enjoy these times, and I appreciate your being here today. It's also a pleasure for me, Chris. Well, we uh, 
We get calls all the time from you listening, and uh, when you are enjoying this same pleasurable and marvelous Christ, we do invite you to contact us. Your calls mean a lot to us, and we would like to answer your questions, provide you material, and just to visit with you and have fellowship with you. Let me tell you our toll-free number once again, earnestly and sincerely invite you to contact us. It's 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Mailing address, Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. For Bob Danker today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.